Hi, hello, how are you? Welcome back to Something About, a podcast where we're going over the current season of death and other details. We are on chapter eight. All the other chapters are available, hashtag not sponsored on Hulu. Um, it's a very confusing show, and I may only confuse you more. So I do suggest that you go and watch the episode first before you listen to me, because again, I could make it worse. I probably will. But um, it's been a week, guys. Um, I, I'm glad I can come on here and kind of like speak my mind because people choose to listen to this. And I don't think I am super offensive. I try not to cover topics that could be offensive. Like I avoid, you know, like political topics because depending on what side of the fence you're on, offensive. Um, I use colorful language, but not like super colorful language. I guess I cannot call myself a bitch. I don't know how that works when I call myself that. And I wasn't, I didn't mean it in like a mean way. Like, I'm such a bitch. Like, I mean to people, but like, I can be because of certain things that happened to me in my life. And yet, some people don't like that I call myself that. And first of all, that is not feminism. Feminism is, for me, supporting a woman in whatever she wants to do. And if I want to call myself a bitch and you don't support that, you don't support feminism. As Ramona Singer said, you don't support other women. So um, I found that very odd that I I could not call myself a bitch. Apparently that's offensive to some people, Um, which is which is fucking wild. So that's super fun that I have to like, you know, censor myself around certain people. That's always cool. But I don't think they have to censor themselves. I feel like their their feelings matter. Mine don't. Which also is not, you know, supporting women. Their feelings are valid. Mine are not. They can share trauma. I can't. It's just it's really weird. It's a lot to get into, and I don't think this is the platform for that. So we'll just skip right over that. Um, I've been driving my Jeep more. I'm getting good. I have an issue of going from reverse into first, and that's mainly because I also, my house is on a hill, which is on a hill. So my driveway is a hill, and then my street is a hill. And we're on a hill and journey. I miss the uh, Housewives of Salt Lake City. Um, so I st- I've stalled it out quite a few times. But, you know, she's learning. And I'm getting pretty good at transitioning from, like, first to second, second to third, third back down to first when you, like, come to a full stop. I am getting good at going from stop to movement again. Um, I have stalled. But I'm getting more confident in that, like, it's going to happen. And I'm getting more confident in when you're at a stop and you're ready to go, you start lifting the clutch and then you lift the brake up and then let go of the clutch to go. 
Like I know what I need to do in my mind, but my feet ain't feetin. It's it's a dance, as my boyfriend called it. And I looked at him and I'm like, bro, we're white. Like we we can't dance. We don't have the rhythm. We can't hold a beat. But I'm getting a lot better at it compared to like the first time when I drove, stalled that motherfucker. But I'm definitely getting better at it. Um that's very exciting. I it's cool to be able to know that I can drive a manual. And then once you know how to drive a manual, you can drive anything. The clutch will be different in any car you go into, but it's still all the same. And so I do think that is pretty neat. I did figure out a name for my Jeep. It like came to me. I workshopped it with one of my close friends. And here it is. It is Jeep. It's a Jeep Sahara. So it's Sahara Del Wrangler Davenport the third. Now you could say Sahara, Sahara, Del Wrangler, Davenport the third. And that is if the Davenport family will have will have me and my Jeep. Um my Jeep doesn't have a gender, because like I don't know if I talked about this before, but like cars don't have genitals. They have a mouth, you know, that's where we put the gas. And then they have a butthole, the exhaust. So, like, that's it. There's there's no genitals. So, it being named Sahara Del Wrangler Davenport III makes sense. Because if it's a girl, slay. If it's a boy, slay. It's a drag queen name. And, I, and we know I fucking love RuPaul. So, it works. And she, he, they, them came named already it's their name is embroidered on my seats it says sahara 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 whatever however you want to pronounce that that's its name del wrangler davenport the third and i love it couldn't could not be more better it's like i know other people who've named their car like alan or other off like My friend, she named her car Casey. And I don't have an issue with that because Casey could go male or female. I've known male Casey's. I've known female Casey's. It's a very gender neutral name. So, like, I'm fine with that. And then I've known other people who've named their cars, like, wild names. And I'm like, that's weird. But it's their car. Do whatever. Um, I've gotten the Jeep wave a couple of times. And I haven't waved back. And it's not because I don't want to. It's because I'm still learning how to drive it. And I want both hands on the wheel. And then once I get more comfortable, I'll start waving back. So um, if you see me driving in, you know, Miss Sahara and I don't wave back, it's not you. It's me. And I'm still learning how to drive it. So, like, I'm I'm getting my confidence. So don't be offended. Um, I've not been ducked yet. My boyfriend thinks it's stupid on both ends, and I just tell him I think he's stupid. And that's that. Um, I think that's pretty much everything I can think of. Let's just dive right into this episode. Um, I took far more notes because it was not, it was flashbacky, but not quite like the last episode where it was a complete flashback to the day of Imogen's mother's death. Um, it starts out, it's one hour earlier before Llewellyn had jumped off the boat and, you know, Imogen had come to the conclusion that uh, Mrs. Chun was the witness. And 
There's no blackout. So people are walking and doing things amongst the ship. And we hear Rufus say, I know you want answers, reader, but we have to go back again. And we see Celia, Mrs. Chun. She's sitting on the deck and she's holding an old photo. And I'm going to presume it is her and her husband back in like the 70s or 80s, per se. They're, they don't give us a date, but I'm going to say this late 70s, early 80s. And she's looking at it very lovingly because we know her husband, you know, was killed in the Collier Mills mill. And, you know, she kisses it. And Eleanor approaches her, her granddaughter, and tells her, you know, they almost have all the signatures that they need for the Collier Mills deal. And she does tell her grandma that she does think Anna should be the CEO, not her father. And Celia tells Eleanor, um, you know, when they are finished with them, there will be nothing left for her to run. And Eleanor is looking at her grandmother like, what do you, what do you mean? And then the blackout has begun. And we hear Rufus continue back again. For the moment, we lost power. For the moment, Victor Sims took control of the entire vessel. Um, we see Sunil. He is still tied up. And Rufus is holding a bottle of brown booze. I don't know what it is. And he smells it. And he, he just really enjoys it. Like, oh my God, that, that's a great bottle of booze. I'm thinking like a bourbon, maybe a scotch. It's, it's a brown liquor. And Sunil tells Rufus, you know, I can help with the generators. And then Rufus asks him, well, why haven't they kicked in? And Sunil's like, I don't know. I can help you. And Rufus asks him still, like, you worked for Victor Sam's and I... I don't like Victor Sims, therefore I don't like you. And Sunil kind of like tries to throw one back in Rufus's face. And he tells him he knows that Rufus abandoned Imogen as a child when looking into her mother's case. And kind of threatens him. And Rufus like looks at him like, yeah, she knows. Like, I know that she knows. We've worked through this. And Rufus looks at Sunil and says like, it's, you know, it's not easy to threaten a man. And that's what Sunil is doing. And it's definitely not easy to threaten a man when he's tied to a chair. So, like, Sunil has got some cojones on him. Uh, Imogen has knocked at his door. And she goes to tell Rufus that Anna has coughed to the poisoning. And... Anna has told him about the factory, the payments, the blue stuff. And Rufus is like, well, we have all the pieces. And now it's figuring out how all the pieces will go together. And we hear Rufus continue again. You have a theory, reader, as to the identity of Victor Sams. Here's a hint. He was already there, hiding amongst us. So Victor Sams is on the boat, and apparently we've met Victor Sams. Even at the end of this episode, I don't know who Victor Sams is. But apparently he has been with us on this whole journey. 
Um, if I didn't say the name of the chapter, it's chapter eight, Vanishing. I'm sorry. Also, spoiler alert. My bad. Um, we see Teddy running around with the crew, making sure everything is all right, trying to get the generators up and going. Like, why, why aren't things working how they should be? And, you know, the backup power we found out has been sabotage. Someone must have hacked it and disabled it, like, all the levels of it. And one of her crew members comes up to try to talk to her. And she's like, listen, we got to get the generator back up. We got to make sure the guests are safe. We got to get this thing moving. And he's like, no, a, a guest left this note. And she opens it up. And we hear in Llewellyn's voice, I want you to know that what happened has nothing to do with you. And we get a slight little flashback to the moment of his death. And we now see Teddy in, like, the deck lounge area holding the note. And she is very upset, as one would be. And we see her looking at the note again. And we hear him reading again. I wished we had more time together, mistress. Um, it, she's not reading the note. She's replaying back her memories with Llewellyn from when she was the dominatrix with him. I didn't mean to drink at all. And this is from their night of their rendezvous. Someone had sent him a 98 champagne wine of sorts. And um, she sees that he is very inebriated and she is going to leave. But he asks her not to because he feels like she's the only person that he can talk to. And so we now see him, you know, sitting on the couch and his head is on her lap and she's kind of just playing with his hair as I would think many people would when they have their significant other's head in their lap, you know, just playing with their hair because they're having a talk. And she tries, she tells him like, I'm not a therapist, but he still feels comfortable sharing certain things with him. Like, you know... They're both very similar. They're talking about Danny, a.k.a. Keith Trebinsky's murder and how they both have to clean up messes. And she looks at Llewellyn and tells him, I think, like, I think you're depressed. And he doesn't disagree, but he goes on to say that, like, when he took this job, he was like a young man. And he got really addicted to the power, to the access, the adrenaline it gave him. And he pretty much comes to the c conclusion he's in his 60s now and he doesn't have much to show for it. And she's like, that's not true. You know, you'll leave something behind. And he's like, no, I'm a cockroach. You know, I'll do whatever it takes to, you know, stay at the top to be where he is. And this actor, I can't think of the actor's name, but like I've seen him in other stuff and he plays very similar characters that I would definitely describe them as cockroaches. Like he plays, I'm pretty sure he plays a lawyer in Justified who is equally as scummy, if not scummier in that. Justified was a great show. Um, we now see Agent uh, Erickson approaching her on the lounge 
And Teddy asks, is, you know, is he dead? And Erickson tells her, like, you know, based off of the height that he jumped at, yes, he he would be dead. And if he wasn't, he definitely drowned because he was injured and chose not to swim. Um, Teddy goes on to tell Erickson that she didn't see any signs because, you know, she and Erickson kind of stops her because Erickson goes like, yeah, I I did it, too. And neither of them saw the signs. And Teddy asks her, like, did you get a vibe that he was, like, hurting like this? And Erickson's like, no, I I thought he was having a good time. It must have been something else that led him to this. And Erickson also tells Teddy that backup will be there within the hour. And if, you know, could you come with me? We need to help keep people calm. And any emergency protocols that may be um, needed are needed now because we're in an emergency. Teddy is walking to the deck and Anna is asking her about the power. And um, Teddy's like, well, we have three levels of power. And Anna goes, well, I was on a call. It was kind of important and it dropped off. And Teddy is really annoyed by this. And she's like, a man is dead. Like, and this is all you can worry about. And Anna's like, someone's dead. And Teddy goes, yeah, you're a lawyer. And Anna is shocked. She did not know he had died. So she goes off to find Imogen to tell Imogen. And Imogen's like, I know. I, like, saw the whole thing happen. And Imogen goes on to question if she knew anything or if he's about, you know, I don't know how to pronounce this, and I apologize. Yang Su uh, asks her about Victor Sam's, asks Anna about her family to give it up. And Anna looks at Imogen and tells her, like, I've told you everything. You and I know the same amount of shit. You know, so she knows that she went to go look at the factory. People were paid off. They know the same amount of information. Imogen tells Anna, we're going to go sift through his room. We're going to see if we can find stuff. And Anna repeats, like, you know everything. Like, why do you need to do that? And, you know, she goes and sees Rufus. And she tells Rufus everything Anna told her. And Rufus is like, well, any secrets he knew, he must have, you know, taken them with him. So he died because he knew something. Uh, Anna goes to her parents to tell them that, you know, Llewellyn is dead. And her parents are like, you know, don't be serious. Don't freak out. And Anna's like, no, guys, he's literally dead. He committed suicide. Um, and her father goes on to say, you know, Llewellyn was always weak. And Anna had been trying to get rid of him for years. And they only kept him on for insurance purposes. So her father is like good riddance almost. It's it's really fucked. Whereas her mother's like, oh my god, he's dead? What? 
That's wild. We now see Derek recording on his phone. And in the video, he says, if you're seeing this video, either the power has come back on and like everything's cool or it didn't. And well, this is my last goodbye. And then he goes on to say to his followers, you know, like Lawrence Collier is super sus. I'm like, you're right. And he runs into Eleanor and Eleanor asks him, like, you know, who else do you think your followers think is, you know, suspect? And Derek just kind of like looks at her and walks away. And she runs into Layla in the hall as well. And she goes, hi, Layla, how are you? And Layla is super icy to her. Because if you remember, Leela has seen the inadvertent sex tape of her wife and her wife's ex-lover. So, Leela goes into her and Anna's room. and She asks Trip, where is Anna? And Trip wakes up from his, like, drunken cocaine stupor and asks why it's dark. And Leela tells her, you know, it's, it's them. They're watching us and the power is out. She also asks him about Anna and Eleanor, and he's like, uh, the, you know? And Trip goes on to tell Layla that, you know, she loves you, you love her, and in the grand scheme of things, you know, she fucked it up. But Anna's still here, Anna is still alive, and, like, you guys can work this out. And you can tell he is projecting because, you know, the with what the governor said, Alexandria said, and he goes on to say, like, he should have taken her seriously about his dad's scheming and wrongdoing. And, you know, his father could possibly be behind all this. And Layla tells him that it's bigger than him. And, you know, he goes... And Victor Sams is the type of guy that goes after people like his father that are rich and corrupt. And Trip asks her and he looks scared. And he asks Layla, like, are we going to die? Like, are we next? Um, we see Jules in his cell and he's tossing a ball. And guards come and check on him and walks away. And then in his other hand is a key. And Imogen gave him both the ball and the key. So he lets himself out and he's about to leave. And Winnie asks him, you know, like, where'd you get that? And he's like, you know, I got it from a girl. And she's like, let me out. And he was like, no, ma'am. Um, I'm not letting you out. And she tries to play to his feelings. Like, I was just, I was being used. And... Then we hear another guard coming and he hides. He ends up kind of being caught and it's Simon. He locks him in his cell and asks him, you know, do you work for Victor Sam's? And Simon's like, no, I'm here. I'm, I'm trying to protect people from not getting murdered. And Simon tells him like, there's no way off this ship either. We've, we've lost power. You're stuck here. Uh, we now see Lawrence with Anna and Catherine and they're all headed to the celestial hall, the big dining room bar area. 
And, you know, Lawrence asks Erickson why he's there. And Erickson's like, well, I want everyone in the same place because I think it'll be safer. I can also keep my eye on you. And Anna sees Layla and is worried about all this. And like, you know, we can fix this. We can get you a new doctor. And Layla's like, oh, cool. Someone else that can call me crazy. And we see the Chuns walk by. And Brad, the gentleman that Trip wanted the investment for, for whatever he's working on talking about he was just chatting with Llewellyn and that he had a wicked backhand and we see another table of I'm assuming they are part of the Chun fam and they're talking about Alexandria's death and that they were told not to worry about it so they know something what we don't know um we see Agent Erickson talking about Rufus and wanting to search Llewellyn's room. And she kind of just lets him because she admits that he has better instincts than she does. Because, like, she has said she's very meat potatoes. Rufus knows there's more. Um, we see Teddy crying in, like, the pantry area of the boat and just reminiscing about the time or what little time she had with Llewellyn even though she was paid to be there it still it still meant something to her um an employee comes in to the pantry area and like pops a cork on some wine and puts it in this like pasta tin and he goes away so it flashes to that night where Llewellyn is saying he got sent, you know, the 98 bottle of champagne and the cork was taken out. So Teddy goes to that tin of pasta, dumps it out, and looking for the specific cork for that bottle, she finds it and can, she can see like a, uh, a needle hole go completely through it. We now see Drool's he has found Sunil and asked him who did this, who did this to him. And Jules figures it out and goes, oh, you pissed her off. And then Teddy walks in right as he said that. And Teddy goes, he's pissed a lot of people off and asks where Rufus is because she, she has something to show him. And Jules asks about Victor Sam's, you know, he owns the ship. He owns Sunil. And Sunil tells him, like, I didn't want to be in business with him. And admits and knows that Victor Sam's had something to do with Imogen's mom's death. And pretty much says, like, if you let me go, I just I want to help get these generators up and going. He wants to try and right his wrongs. I don't think that's going to happen. Uh, Teddy goes... And finds Rufus and tells him that, like, someone has poisoned the wine. The wine and that Llewellyn didn't kill himself. He was murdered. And we see we're now back in to the Celestial Hall. It's a lot of jumping around. And we see Agent Erickson and she's asking 
you know, the Lawrences, how long did Llewellyn work for them? And he won't answer the question. And Erickson's like, fine, let's just have a friendly conversation then. You you invited every guest on this cruise ship, yet you've not asked about any of the investigations because a couple people have died that you have invited here. And she goes on to say, you either don't care anything about them or like you already know, like, you know, who's behind this and you're just vibing. And then Catherine enters and agent Erickson's like, great, here's your wife. And she tells her, you know, like you've botched this whole case. You won't have a job for long and like we're leaving and Catherine and Lawrence walk away. Uh, Jules and Sunil go are leaving and Sunil wants to go and find the generator. And Jules is like, no, the ship has been hacked. And what who's to say they didn't hack the comms? And Sunil's like, yeah, you're right. And Jules tells him, too, that the only way we can get help is to go out and get it ourselves because no one knows what's happening. We have to go to the land and get help and bring it back with us because we can't risk sending a message and having Victor Sam's or people that work for him hear us. And then... We're back into the celestial room... And, you know, the Colliers and the Chuns are all there. And, you know, Anna is there and saying how, or Catherine's there and Catherine's saying how, you know, they paid all for this. And Anna's like, like, yeah, we may have paid for all this, but the Chuns now own like a majority share in our company. So like technically we're drinking their champagne, like they're paying for this now. And they ran the business for 40 years. Or Mrs. Chun has. Mrs. Chun is saying how they ran their business for 40 years in her country. And Lawrence never learned the language. And you can tell he's getting upset because he wants to know what they're saying in Mandarin. And... Eleanor then, you know, juts in to kind of like ease the tension to say like, you know, Anna will make an excellent CEO. And even though it wasn't announced, Catherine's like, yeah, it wasn't announced, but it was voted on weeks ago by the board. It still stands. Even though the company has changed hands, like that doesn't matter. You are still the CEO. And Anna's like, yeah, that's right. Uh, it'll the company will still be stronger with me at the helm you know I know the factory I've walked it myself I've known all the vendors since I was a child and they're all going to expect a collier to be in charge and Mrs. Chun makes kind of a little remark saying like Anna's Anna's not a collier as in Anna her father is not uh, Lawrence there and she, Anna hears this and looks at her mom and she's like, what? And Layla tells everyone, you know, 
she fucked Eleanor. And Eleanor's like, I don't want to be in the middle of this. Trip is questioning his mom as well. Celia points to Toby and says, you know, not according to him. And Catherine walks over to Toby and goes, you didn't. And he's like, no, I did. And I did it to protect my son. And, you know, this is not her first. Her affair with Toby is not her first affair. And we go on to find out she did in vitro, three rounds of it. And Anna's like, I was the miracle baby. And she asks who her father is. And Catherine's like, the true, you know, like the truth won't help. Trip is looking at her and goes, oh my God, I see it. Those eyebrows, that nose, I see it. It's, it's the lawyer. Llewellyn is her father. And we find out from Catherine that, you know, her father, Lawrence, there doesn't know what love is or anything. And they had a brief but sad affair. And it was worth it because she got Anna. And Anna looks at her mother and goes like, I never knew any of this. And everyone was right. You're just a gold digger. Like you marry dad for his money, not for love. And it's in a big emotional scene. Emotions are running wild. And Catherine goes on to tell both her children, you know, I gave you everything to do whatever you want to get you wherever you need to be in life. And within this whole mess, we find out Trip is Lawrence's son. But Anna is not Lawrence's daughter. Catherine goes and storms off. And Anna feels a little better because she knows she's not related to a murderer. Um, we now see Imogen approaching Mrs. Chun and we hear her say, you know, my mother was a whistleblower. You were the witness. And Anna doesn't understand this interaction between the two of them because there's no record of Mrs. Chun on the list of workers that used to work at the factory at the time. And Mrs. Chun goes on to tell her story and she says she had a different name then. And we see a flashback to a very young Celia, beautiful woman. And in the background, you can see a blurry picture of Mao Zedong. And I hate that I know that because I took a Far East History 2 class. I took Far East History 2 and then Far East History 1. I took them out of order. And the teacher, I think her favorite subject was Mao Zedong. Like, and I, I'm grateful I learned all about China and how they tried to industrialize just as fast as Japan did. And it didn't really work out. But I also wanted to learn more about Japan post-World War II. I wanted to learn more about Korea or Vietnam. But this teacher had like a thing for Mao Zedong. So I hate that I know that it's a blurry photo of Mao Zedong in the factory hanging up in the back. And we see a young Celia again working in a factory. And we hear her say, you know, it wasn't always terrible. And we see her going and having lunch and then sitting back down at her sewing machine and she goes to reach for a pin and in it she finds like one eyeglass, like one half of a pair of glasses. And she looks over and it's a cute man across the aisle and he's missing one of his lenses. And it makes it easier for her to sew because she could see clear. It's like a magnifying lens. And we find out that, you know, they fall in love. They get married 
you know, Eleanor's mother is born and they have everything they ever need and they are happy. And, you know, we find out 40 years ago, the Colliers took over that factory and they were using a new pigment, Captonian blue. And they didn't know that it was a poison and it was making people sick. And one of those people was her husband. And eventually he died. And the Colliers paid her off and we see Llewellyn handing her a check. And what she did was she used that money to start her own business so they couldn't hurt her anymore. And then we see 20 years later that Imogen's mom went and found her and asked her about her husband in Captonian blue and everything. And Eleanor looks at her grandmother and is like, you, you never told me any of this. And Celia looks at her and says, I didn't want, I wanted you to be unburdened and have a happy childhood. She wanted Eleanor to just have her best life and was able to give her that. And, you know, the Colliers paid people off. They didn't care about people's lives. And, you know, to them, it was all worth it. And the people finding out, you know, Kira, Danny, Alex were all killed before it came to life. They were killed because they knew what the Colliers were up to. Uh, Imogen goes on deck and confronts Lawrence. And when he looks at Imogen, he calls her Kira. And Anna is shortly behind and takes her aside and tells Imogen that, you know, he has good days and he has bad days. We've seen many doctors and gotten various um, diagnosis, but it seems that he has early onset dementia. And he doesn't remember things or doesn't remember certain things. So he can't be behind what's currently happening on the ship. So he can't be the murderer. So Imogen just looks at him and goes up to him and plays along saying she is Kira. And he tells her, you know... I loved her mom and, you know, made mistakes and cuts corners. Anna also tells Imogen, like, who her dad really is. And Imogen's like, that's great. I don't really care. He killed my mom. And Anna tells, you know, Imogen to prove it. And we now see this discussion between Lawrence and Imogen as her mom. And he asks her like, why did you leave? And he then keeps asking her, you know, like, why did you have to question me? Why did you have to be a pe You know, why did you have to be a hero? I gave people jobs. They wanted them and he didn't want to do it. And Imogen's like, what are you talking about? And he's like, I did what I have to do. I made a phone call. And Lawrence then walks away, like casually walks away. Like he didn't just admit to putting the hit out onto Imogen's mom. Imogen and Anna are both shocked 
that Lawrence has admitted to, again, putting the hit out on Takira. Erickson is with uh, Rufus and Teddy, and they're questioning the head waiter about the Presec Lejeunen, the fancy wine that Llewellyn got sent to his room. And Rufus is like, oh, that was a dry summer. Because I guess dry summers make for good wine. Like, it's a thing. I don't know. I don't really drink. And when I do, I don't have wine. And they tell him about the puncture hole and how it went all the way through. And it was an 18-gauge syringe. So someone had poisoned Llewellyn with ricin and had done the same thing to the governor as well. And he goes on to tell them, someone tampered this before I got to it. Someone put the ricin in these bottles. I then was just told to get these bottles and deliver them. And and that's what I did. And they ask him who sent it. And he goes, oh, Mrs. Mrs. Collier sent it. She's the one that ordered it. And Erickson you know, looks at her two men and was like, you need to stay here with the head waiter because we got to go talk to Mrs. Collier. And Layla has determined that Catherine is Victor Sam's. Imogen goes to tell Rufus that Lawrence killed her mom. And Rufus is like, that's great. But what do you want from this? Like there's, there can't, there isn't going to be a reward because I know the reward you want is your mother. And sadly she has passed away and he's kind of implying like you've solved it. You've given your mother the reward of finding out who did this. You can rest easy now. And we hear screaming and Anna is on the pool deck at the pool on her knees Catherine is in the pool, face down, blood. It looks like she may have gotten shot. Um, we can hear a helicopter coming and about to land. And Imogen looks at Agent Erickson. And is like, oh, great. You know, help's here. And Agent, Ilda, Agent Hilda Erickson is like, that's not backup. She knows that that's not her helicopter. Uh, we see Sunil and Jules headed for his little like boat dinghy thing to get off to get help. And it is not there. It's gone. But while they're there, they discover under some light vests, because they can hear a counting down clock, uh, what sounds like a bomb. And there's enough to bring the ship down. And the helicopter has landed. They can hear the men coming. Agent... Erickson puts her goes with one hand up, kneels down and puts down her gun, puts the other hand up. And one of Erickson's men's like punches her in the face, which is like kind of fucking rude. Like she put the gun down. Chill out, bro. And Victor Sam's men are there and they would like to gather everyone up because they have a little game to play. Then the episode ends. I believe episode 9 and 10 are going to be a two-part finale. We are going to find out more. I have no fucking idea who Victor Sams is. I'm thinking maybe he's like Imogen's dad. Because we don't know who her dad is. 
But that's my thought. Again, I apologize if I confused you more um, than this episode was already confusing. Uh, I still have no idea who Victor Sams is. Apparently, we've seen him. Like, according to Rufus, we've seen him already. So I don't know who he could be. He's probably like Winnie or something. Like one of the crew workers that we've kept. Like Simon's dad, maybe. I don't know. But I don't know who it is. Do you? And if you think you know who it is, um, go on to Instagram, something.about.podcast, and comment on the most recent post, which I will be putting up, on who you think Victor Sams is. I have no idea. And as we know, because also with only murders in the building, I never know who it is. And this isn't following the only murders in the building trope, where by episode eight, we find out who did it. We, like, kind of know who did some of the killings with, like, you know, Imogen's mother. But we don't know the bigger picture. So there is that. Um, I'm going to leave you with that. I'm really excited for Chapter 9 on Tuesday. Again, all episodes available on Hulu. Hashtag not sponsor. Um, If you could rate, like, and review wherever it is you are listening or streaming to this podcast, it would be greatly appreciated. Share it with anyone who watches Only Murders in the Building or Death and Other Details. I'm really liking this show. I'm going to be sad that it's over, but Only Murders in the Building has started filming. So we will be getting it, and I'm very excited. And um, that's really all for now. I hope you all have just a great day, great night, great morning. Um, I love all of you. Bye.